0: Up, Dynasty Command Center Nation, the rookie draft onslaught continues. I'm Curtis Patrick, Travis May's back. We're gonna talk about rookie drafts in the one QB PPR format. So um, you know, w- we really prefer playing super flex, but we realize this is still probably at least 50% of the industry and new startups are still one QB in nature, and you guys need to know what to do in those rookie drafts. So we're gonna go over uh, what happened in the rookie mock, the expert rookie mock, in the Rotoviz Dynasty Command Center Rookie Guide Volume Three. So the post NFL Draft rookie mocks. That was myself and Travis, TJ Calkins, Sean Siegel, and Blair Andrews that participated in the exercise. We're gonna go over what happened in all four rounds, and then and then we're gonna just maybe give you a, a couple of tips for what to do in tight end premium. If you want to see what actually happened in the tight end premium mock draft, you can pick up volume three of the guide today at rotoviz.com. Just check out uh, rotaviz.com and go to 2020 rookie draft guide. It's a link right there on the top of your screen. Anybody two eyes or four can see it. Click on it. $14.99. You're going to get all three volumes, including this most recent one. Game-changing articles on what to do, how to strategize a draft plan. Um, you know, game-changing research on what to look for in wide receiver prospects and running back prospects. We even had my guy arguments. Uh, just really fun. Really proud of the project this year. And hope you'll check it out. Um, before we cut up round one of this one QB PPR rookie mock draft, want to share a quick word from our sponsor for the episode. They're our exclusive partners. Uh, it's bet online. You know, there's no NBA, NHL, or MLB going on right now. You probably think there's nothing to bet on, uh, but but you're wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, so has hundreds of events, games, and props you can wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They're bringing Vegas straight to you. If you're missing the NFL, no problem. They got really creative. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. Uh, you can bet on Survivor. You can bet on Big Brother. You can bet on American Idol or stock prices or even hot dog eating contests. They're open all 24 hours, every day, and it's always online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's BLUEWIRE, to join today, and you're going to receive a welcome bonus. BetOnline, it's your online wagering solution. Okay, Travis, I'm done spewing. Take us through (laughs) the first round of this Rookie
1: Mock. Well, first off, you didn't even mention the IDP content like you did did last time. <laughs> we do have IDP content in the rookie guide too. But well, uh, it's going to be a
0: happy surprise after people spend their fourteen? <laughs> there Ninety nine cents. Yeah, it's be like, happy man. surprise. You got to under promise and over deliver. Okay, Travis, and that's what we're sorry. doing here.
1: Totally messed that one up. My bad. My bad. We're not going to dive into <laughs> IDPs tonight. I won't, you know, you know, go on about Isaiah Simmons and or 4th uh, rounds defensive backs or anything like that tonight. I'm not going to mess with that, but I will talk about uh, the 1.01, the real 1.01, which is who you selected to kick off round one in our rookie mock, and that is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I know a lot of people love Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and I, I believe that's both of these mocks that our team, it looks like we still preferred Jonathan Taylor over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for the most part. I think there was only – I believe it was only Blair perhaps that uh, actually – I can't remember, there was just one, I, I, sorry, Blair, if you're listening and, and it, it wasn't you, but I believe <laughs> I believe there was just one of our rankers that actually preferred Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over uh, Jonathan Taylor still. Not to say that either one wouldn't be a smash, but uh, to no surprise, uh, no one surprised at all. Jonathan Taylor is one, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is two. They're both fantastic running back prospects, and in one qu- quarterback leagues, they're going to be pick one and pick two in, in virtually all of your drafts. Uh, And so that was no surprise at all to see Jonathan Taylor go one. I selected Clyde Edwards Hilaire at two. Sean Siegel selected CD Lamb at three, uh, veering away from running back. TJ selected our guy, Jalen Rager. And then Blair, wrapping up kind of the first run through of the analysts, uh, picked Cam Akers in the five slot. So Cam Akers actually went at the five slot in both the super flex format and the one quarterback format. Uh, One big difference is here that's some wide receivers saw some earlier play than they did in the super super flex format. Uh, Any surprises there for you in those top five before we get down to the uh, second tier of uh, kind of a round one?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I've done some other industry mocks and, you know, typically it's running back chalk in the top five. You know, we really see, you know, five running backs in a row. You know, I was just on, um, Twitch, uh, the Action Network with with Matt Friedman and Ryan McDowell and Rich Rebar, you know, guys that basically everyone but Ryan there that was on that that Twitch had of his ties at some point in their history. So a lot of overlap and similarities. And what I'm really seeing this year is a trend towards running back. Um, there's multiple reasons for this. You know, the, the first reason is that, you know, we've, we've seen a little bit of a falling off of the traditional alpha wide receiver producer. And so I think there's a general feeling that, you know, investing heavily in wide receiver is not going to make much of a difference in your actual fantasy lineup. You know, difference between wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 40 isn't, you know, like it was five years ago. And so I think that that definitely matters. And even the advantage of wide receiver, like four to 10, it doesn't look the same as it did a couple years ago i um, still definitely value and having a, you know, a Michael Thomas type producer, but it's just very difficult to project that. And so I think that's manifesting itself in rookie drafts. Um, we also are at a really critical point in the NFL. We needed th- these running back classes over the last couple of years to come in, but already some people that felt super young um, and like basically invincible, you know, as recently as like 12 months ago are basically like, you don't even want to touch them anymore. I mean, Find somebody that wants to own Todd Gurley or David Johnson. Um, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, the the elite of the elite. I mean, I'm hearing people make age-related arguments on Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara already. Um, yeah. I mean, Dalvin, oh Dalvin Cook is in the last year of a rookie deal with with banged-up knees. Joe Mixon is uh, has still yet to really do much as a fantasy producer in his career um, on a total season uh, basis. Derrick Henry... Um, is suddenly old um, and still has not shown the receiving upside despite leading league and rushing last year. Um, Nick Chubb has Kareem Hunt to deal with. I mean, there's you can go up and down um, really outside of Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. Those are really the only two people I'm not hearing anyone argue about. I mean, even even rookies from last year, David Montgomery didn't really fully hit. Miles Sanders didn't start the, the majority of the year. He looked great at the end of the season. Um, but it's, you know, it still doesn't feel great to project him as a bell cow. I mean, I I want him to be bell cow, but you know, I'm not certain he will be. Um, and then Josh (laughs) Jacobs, I mean, the team goes out and drafts Lynn Bowden Jr. And designates him a running back. So there is plenty going on. There's plenty going on with running backs really one through like 18. Yeah, there's, there's so much going on running back one through 18 that, these rookies, I mean, people are thirsty for running back. And so I think I'd be really shocked if the most common outcome wasn't five RBs going off the board and a rookie draft, and certainly four running backs um, in the first five picks. So it was a little bit of surprise for me to see CD Lamb and Jalen Rager go in the top five. Like both those players, understand why they were the targets. But I think wide receivers so deep. Um, that you've got to spend early on running back in this format.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I will say, C.D. Lamb is still looking like the the chalk wide receiver one. I've been doing this uh, this I call it the 2020 rookie poll mock on Twitter, still in progress. But it was interesting to see such a steep drop off in in the poll results once it got to. uh, He went actually at pick six. The other options on that poll were Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, and C.D. Lamb actually took down. 58% 58% of the vote and won by a margin of 34% over the second place finisher in that that poll which was Jerry Judy so and that that had several hundred votes on it it's interesting to see that there was that much consensus on C.D. Lamb being the top guy still uh, by many people's standards but but yeah, and by no means is it surprising that CD Lamb is the first one off the board. It may surprise some people that Jalen Rager is wide receiver two off the board, but, but not me. I think you and I, we've talked about Jalen Rager plenty on this podcast. You and I both love him a lot. But, uh, yeah, still interesting that he went at the four slot overall, given the running backs and, uh, the, the scarcity and desire for that type of player. But moving on. Two pick six. You, you took your guy kind of a homer pick, but kind of a just a right pick to make here. <laughs> J.K. Dobbins in the, in the sixth slot. Uh, that, that's, that's not probably a surprise to most, uh, landing with the Ravens. That looks like a decent landing spot. Even if he isn't the primary rusher week one of this year, it looks like he could be the future there to pair along with Lamar Jackson. DeAndre Swift was my selection in the seventh slot. That could be a committee, but DeAndre Swift is, is an immense talent. We were super high on him. Some people had him in, in the really at 1.01 overall, overall conversation even just a few weeks ago. Uh, and then in the eighth slot, it's a little bit surprising here, especially when we consider what the what the market value and, and cons- consensus might be on, on this player. But Brandon Ayuk went at the eighth slot because, uh, again, like you mentioned on the last show, Sean's really high on Brandon Ayuk, and then he actually took him over Jerry Judy, who went in the nine slot, Henry Ruggs in the 10, that was Blair taking that that selection there, and then uh, you again taking Justin Jefferson, and then me to round out the end of round 1, taking Vinzel Mims. In that range, I'm sure I'm sure there's some surprises. J.K. Dobbins coming off his 2,000-yard season, that felt like a no-brainer at the 6th slot to me, but does, does it still feel right? I mean, you mentioned that it should probably be those five running backs, but are you worried with DeAndre Swift that that is just going to be kind of a messy committee when when it comes to carry on Johnson and that coaching staff and what they might lean towards this, this, uh, this coming year?
0: Yeah. With, with Dobbins, I think it's, it's a perfect match. I mean, I wish he would land somewhere that throws the ball a little bit more, but JK Dobbins and, and Baltimore, I mean, that was like, it really is a match made in heaven in terms of his talents. I mean, you know, comes out of an Ohio State offense that was heavy um, on shotgun runs and RPOs. I mean, he's basically designed exactly for what Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are doing. I mean, I, I think he's gonna literally be like Jamal Charles level efficient in that offense. He's gonna be like six yards a carry um, you know, in his prime uh with what they're doing. It's gonna be really fun to watch. But with DeAndre Swift, I mean the, the freaking Lions, man, I, I just wish that they hadn't drafted anybody premier. You know, I wish they would have drafted somebody that yeah. You know, like Zach Moss, that I wasn't interested in, so I could just totally ignore it. Um, I think DeAndre Swift at this point is is simply just better than everyone on the roster. But you know, carry on being there for two more years. Carry on Johnson is a little bit problematic. I, I wish that he wasn't there for two more years. You know, I hope that this doesn't end up in in a, a split between early down and receiving down work, or you know, maybe that carry on somehow just you know looks better in pass blocking. You know, being familiar with the with the offense. You know, we don't really know what that's really going to look like. Um, and, and I don't think carry On's a garbage player at all. And so I think, you know, they're, they're probably closer in talent than the lions investment and in Swift would tell you. So it's just really, it's just really unfortunate. Um, I, I, you know, in, in the middle of the first round though, I mean, I think it's a slam dunk. It, he's a lot to love as a prospect. The film heads absolutely love him. And he played behind some really great other running backs in Georgia You know, so you can excuse away a little bit of his early career, lack of production. So 107, I mean, I'd be dancing if I got him like you did at 107. Um, I don't feel good about taking him like at the 104, 105 range. I I think I still am taking him there because of the the running back value versus wide receiver value. But I certainly don't feel as good about it as the value you got here. Um, The really interesting piece is Judy falling. And I think that's actionable for the listeners and I think Judy is gonna fall in a lot of drafts because of the, the total disagreement in the industry on Judy versus Sutton. You know, Sutton had a great sophomore season, thousand yards, you know, obviously showed a little bit of chemistry with Drew Locke toward the end of the season. He's the incumbent. But Judy and Sutton have totally complementary skill sets. And the Broncos have told us that they they are shining a signal in the sky that they are not gonna to try to build a defense to stop Patrick Mahomes. I mean and, and kudos to John OA because that would be a fool's errand. You're not going to stop it. You, you're going to have to fight fire with fire, and th- and that's what the Denver Broncos have done. I mean, so now they're going to have two uh, second round uh, receivers and a first round receiver trotting out as in their uh, eleven personnel sets. They got Noah Fant and Albert O. and and they're just going to let Drew Locke let it you know let it fly. And this offense is going to is going to pass early. It's going to pass often. And it's going to support two pass catchers for sure uh, in terms of being fantasy viable. And so, even if you think that that Cortland Sutton is going to be the one A to Judy's one B, um, you should still believe in investing in two Denver pass catchers. I think um, that's certainly where I am. I'm less interested in even fighting on the order than I am and saying that you know they're probably both in a spot where they could both be top thirty six wide receivers. I think they probably both hold each other down from being top twelve wide receivers, and so we see him you know land in wide receiver two wide receiver three ranges. Um, the thing about Judy, though, is you know Sutton had kind of the early early um dynasty value that then kind of it sloughed off a little bit with not having the early production uh, the beginning of his rookie season, and then he started to gain some momentum if Judy comes in and a new look offense. With a, a sophomore quarterback that breaks out and produces on day one, you know I, I think he's going to potentially overtake Sutton in dynasty value, even if he doesn't in fancy production. So him falling to one hundred nine should really give you a lot of hope um, that you can get a premier athlete, premier player um, that could be, you know, maybe Calvin Ridley esque in production um, is a good way to to look at him. And and my other my other takeaway from round one is is I absolutely just killed. I just killed this exercise. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and Justin Jefferson at my three picks. I mean, I'm super pumped about the way that that fell. And uh, not that anybody else didn't do a good job, too. But, you know, I got three picks. You and I both got three picks in this exercise. And I feel like I nailed mine.
1: Yeah. I mean, I got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift. And then I I finished it up uh, with round one at at the one point, one, two, getting Denzel Mims. And I, I have Denzel Mims ranked even just a little bit higher than that slot. So I just felt like, man, this is this is a slam dunk for me. Uh, I know uh, Mims, is, uh, not everyone's as high uh, as as I am on, on Mims. I believe he's my 10th rated rookie right now. I have him over uh, Henry Ruggs. I have him over Brandon Ayuk. Those were the two players in the first round that went in this mock that I have him over. And I just believe that he has one of the most complete profiles in this class. Obviously, he didn't Uh, come out as a junior, but that was mainly because there was kind of a down year, uh, there for him. I guess when you compare it to a sophomore and senior season. So he just wanted to, Hey, I've, I've got this one more chance to really prove I'm NFL ready. And he did, he did that. He had like over a thousand yards again, dominated that defense, that offense. And uh, really, I mean, impressed at every step of the way throughout the draft process as well. Just people gushing over his Senior Bowl process, and then of course he kills it at the combine. Six three two oh seven, running a four three eight, killing it in the in the job, showing it as an immense burst. Love his physicality. Now he gets the draft capital. So Denzel Mims looks like a great value in one QB as a as an end of the first round type player for me.
0: Yeah, for but- sure. I think I think that's fine. I think the th- the takeaway with Mims um versus the the wide receivers that fall into round two and even a couple of the wide receivers that went above him in round one, I mean really the only round one wide receiver that we can say for certain um is gonna be the top target in his offense in terms of you know athleticism and uh the type of role I mean it was Denzel Mims in this exercise and then maybe you can make that argument for Henry Ruggs um, that those two players would lead their teams and targets as rookies. I mean, CeeDee Lamb's competing with with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, Jalen Rager, I think is clearly going to be the long-term alpha in Philly. But, he, you know, he does have Zach Ertz to deal with and Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. So, you know, in, in a summer where he might not get to work and create that chemistry with Carson Wentz, the veterans might get the early nod. And then Brandon Ayuk competing with George Kittle and Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy, we already talked about, Cortland Sutton, Justin Jefferson going to be, you know, second fiddle to Adam Thielen at least for one year. And so I think there is value if you're just looking for early production, there is potentially some value um, with Denzel Mims in that regard. Um, you know. But, th- but this value does kind of carry into round two as well because we see LaVisca Chennault, T. Higgins, and Michael Pittman go in three of the first four picks there. I think, you know, if I'm looking in that 112 to 203 range, as much as I like your pick of Mems there, that's the spot where I'm trying to trade down in case somebody wants to move up for Keyshawn Vaughn or, you know, if, if somebody maybe values a running back there because I'm really happy to get any of the four wide receivers in that bunch between Mims, Chenault, Higgins, and Pittman. Um, I talked about this a little bit in the Superflex episode, but in case you don't play Superflex and this is the only pod you're going to listen to, um format wise, Pittman is an extreme target for me now in the second round of rookie drafts. Um, the Rotoviz Sims after nailing draft position are just insane. So I, I mean I've already got them memorized. I've looked at him so many times since the NFL draft. Five of his top ten comps um in the Rotoviz prospect box score scout. You know, this is the order. We got Debo Samuel and AJ Brown both in his top five. And then in his bottom five of his top ten, we get in order Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, we're talking about three guys who have already slam dunked to their dynasty value. And two guys at the top and A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel who absolutely popped as rookies and have immense value already. I love the spot for Pittman to earn a volume role early as a possession receiver, um, you know, complimenting what T.Y. Hilton does. And then, you know, the two guys that went right before him, T. Higgins and LaViska Chenault, I think they're they're the number twos in their offenses in year one, but certainly could overtake the number ones. It would look a little different. So with LaVisca Chenault, um, he's dealing with D- DJ Chark. Travis and I both like DJ Chark. Um, you know, he, he's moved up our, our rankings over the course of the offseason. But LaVisca brings a different skill set. He's a more physical player. They're gonna be able to run the ball with him a little bit. He's really gonna probably have you know, a, a Debo Samuel-type role in that offense. And we know Jay Gruden wants to throw. I mean, Jay Gruden absolutely wants to throw. That's why the team, you know, leaked that they were willing to move on from Leonard Fournette. I think this offense is going to support two pass catchers for sure. And then with T. Higgins, he's absolutely made in the A.J. Green mold. I think it's so appropriate that he lands in Cincinnati as the heir apparent to A.J. Green. And I think with Joe Burrow, there's an opportunity for – you know, a fantasy alpha 160 target type role um, that oh, yeah. is kind of going by the wayside. And so I just love all three of these guys that went toward the top of the second round here. Definitely prefer them to Keyshawn Vaughn, who went 203. I you mean, know, I understand why Vaughn's climbing up boards, Travis, but I mean, would you take Vaughn over any of those three receivers?
1: I would not actually have. Uh, I mean, and this is coming from uh, just let me frame this uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. I- I'm, a, I'm a Vanderbilt football season ticket holder. Believe it or not, those do exist. But Keyshawn Vaughn is a good player. Uh, he was uh, the best player on Vanderbilt's team last year, and it was a miracle he ever produced anything because Vanderbilt had bottom five, power five conference quarterback play. And so it was impressive that that he was able to do what he did. I think he had 130-something yards or so in the LSU game, which, I mean, that, we're talking about the 2019 in 2020 uh you know national champions lsu he had a 130 yards against them uh and and so he's really impressive in some big spots but he also could disappear at times he's he's just across the board i mean when you look at his profile he, he's going to be an older rookie he doesn't do any one thing at an elite level yes he can catch passes does he have an elite receiving profile no he he doesn't and yes he is athletic to an extent but no he's not an elite athlete athlete at all and really i mean we you and i were talking about this before curtis early on in, in his in his career in college before the transfer from illinois he, he was struggling to you know beat out guys who ended up going completely undrafted uh the one of which is in this class and in reggie corbin so it's just interesting to me that um that, he, that there are so many people that are so high on him in that uh, that poll mock that I'm doing on Twitter right now that the 2020 Ricky Poll mock you can actually look up that hashtag right now he's actually he actually was the consensus 10th overall rookie which to me is just a little bit crazy that 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 we're reaching that hard for somebody who is barely a day two back who's a 23 23 almost 24 year old rookie uh coming in and doesn't really check much of any box other than his primary competition is Ronald Jones. Uh, when there's so many good wide receivers around still available, uh, I'm not going to be taking Keyshawn Vaughn at least until the mid-second, if not later into the second round.
0: Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I I totally agree. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn was not a target for me at all. I didn't even have him in my top 24 until after the NFL draft. I mean, I think, you know, most of us who were low on him had to move him. Um, But you know, the landing spots are great, but it it really just feels like a player we're moving simply because of landing spot. And those are the grossest things for me um, that I have to talk myself into um, because there's whether or not you like the player, there's going to be dynasty value assigned to him. So even it may even make sense, you know, to, to draft him with the intent of trading, if he does win the role, um, if you don't believe in him long term, And so, you Know a, a guy I really respect a lot in, in the industry, Rich Rebar, talked about this a little bit on a recent discussion we had. And he, you know, he was even hypothesizing that maybe Keyshawn Vaughn's best fantasy season could actually be year one. Um, yeah. and then you know, after that, due to age concerns or due to um, you know, what Brady decides to do, um, that his value could kind of deteriorate. Um, and the team, you know, the team's already shown that. He doesn't have a lot of patience. Uh, this organization doesn't have a lot of patience for the running backs to develop. So if he doesn't pop immediately, he's probably no better off than Ronald Jones was. And it's just, it just becomes a messy committee where nobody's fantasy viable uh, or dependable week to week. So after Pittman Jr., you know, let's get, let's go 2-5 through two twelve. 12 The rundown is Joe Burrow, K.J. Hamler, um, Adam Troutman. A bit of a surprise going in the mid-second here, even uh, though this is not a tight end premium set. And we get Zach Moss, Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon and and Chase Claypool. So if if you're you know keeping track here, we do see two quarterbacks go despite the format. You know, I think with Joe Burrow and Tua Tonga Bailoa, it's really just about you know the speculation they're gonna start early and you're gonna recoup some value. And uh and if you don't if you don't see the players in the tier as as having a high enough floor for your stomach. You know, then, then take a quarterback that you know is going to start for a couple seasons. But, you know, when, when you get this type of, you know, short you – know, the Josh Rosen experiment, you know, that is not the most typical path. You know, typically no. when a quarterback gets drafted in the top ten, they get multiple chances, uh, multiple full seasons to start even. And so if you get past that Pittman range and you're staring at some of these other names, you know, I don't fault you whatsoever in the mid-second for, you know, just bringing up Joe Burrow uh, or Tua – and those spots, um, did either one of those guys go too early at two five two eight for you?
1: No, I don't think so at all. I believe my my seventeen and eighteen spots in my rookie rankings right now are Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. Those two right there, because it just feels like there's there's a clear tear break for me and skill position players. Where I'm just like, you know what, these guys are going to have some value insulation. Yes, it's it's totally not normal, like you said, for a Josh Rosen outcome to happen, and, and it's also not super common for you know everybody to kind of turn into. Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, either. But either way, you're you're getting some value insulation with these players. They're going to have most of the rookie contract to have some up and down, high high sell windows for you, where you're going to make a return on your investment, regardless. It's just if you go too much further than this, you're you're getting into players that probably have uh, more questions than answers. I mean, like I mean, you go back what very far at all. We're looking at out. I mean, what Adam Troutman was the seventh pick in this round. Uh, we got to Zach Moss, uh, who, I mean, he's going to be in the timeshare. A.J. Dillon, who, I mean, are we sure he's going to take a ton of work from Aaron Jones? And then to round it out, we got Chase Claypool. So, I mean, it just feels safer to me to go in the direction of a Joe Burrow and a Tua uh, than a lot of other options that you can see in the late round, too. I mean, are you are you kind of there, too, uh, as far as quarterback values go in, in rookie drafts? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if we're talking about like a My Fantasy League, Dynasty League, where, you know, your rosters are 25 or or deeper, I would totally be fine selecting these guys, you know. But for those of you, you know, playing FFPC, and I know, you know, we've got rookie drafts coming up this weekend uh, over on that platform, you know, you're probably going to have a a tough time in, in a 1QB format you know, where you can only roster 20 players during the season might be difficult um, to pull the trigger on a, on a quarterback here. Probably we're going to be casting a few more um, dice at, at running backs in this range. Even some guys maybe that fell to round three, like Darrington Evans and Joshua Kelly. I could certainly see them um, in FFPC formats creeping into the back of the second round there. I want to spend a second on Chase Claypool, yeah. Um. You know, going two twelve here. Claypool. You know, he's kind of getting lost because, um. You, you know, the wide receivers just so deep in this class, and he went to the Steelers, where you know we don't know exactly what Roethlisberger has left in the tank. You know, obviously didn't play. You know, really last year, and and it's really just a forgotten season in Pittsburgh for many reasons, and he lands in a place that looks crowded at first glance you know we, we do have Juju there um, we've seen James Washington and Deontay Johnson look good at times um, probably helped that Juju wasn't at 100% last year for them to help flash James Washington famously disappointed as a, a rookie and so you know the team takes Claypool they announce him as a receiver some people had been hoping that he'd get announced as a tight end well they've already clarified he's gonna play on the outside you know, he, they're not. You know they said maybe he gets a little slot work, but he's going to be an outside receiver. And so when you think about the Steelers' offense now, you know Juju's man in the slot. You know probably, based on skill set, I think drafting a player like Claypool signals that they want to move Juju back down into the slot rather than have him trying to you know win on the outside. And so somebody's going to be the odd man out. Either Claypool is going to be unsuccessful in the role, or he's not going to be able to beat out James Washington. Um, or neither one of them is going to work in the outside. Juju's going to kick back outside, and uh, you know maybe Deontay Johnson gets more you know, slot work. So I, I don't know what the Steelers' offense looks like um, beyond Juju, but we know no matter what, the number two pass catcher in the Steelers' offense is going to be valuable as long as Roethlisberger's there. Anyway, um, he's definitely got a long history of supporting two wide receivers and on occasion three. And so if you get into this range and you're looking for ceiling. Um, and, and cheap ceiling when, when considering draft capital, you know, Chase Claypool, you know, he's a second round pick, you know, Chase Claypool had an incredible, um, you know, athletic profile and he did have a thousand yard season in college. It feels a lot to me, Travis, like DJ Chark as a rookie two years ago, you know, where it's like, well, you know, we just, at that time, believe it or not, Jacksonville was viewed to be a crowded wide receiver situation. Um, with D.D. Westbrook and yeah it's weird it seems weird to think about now but it was was crowded back then and you know it's just kind of well it's just a deep what does he really do he's just kind of a deep threat but you know he had deep speed and he was a second round pick and lo and behold the people who are patient you know now are staring at probably a borderline top 24 dynasty wide receiver and so I think that's range of possible outcomes for Chase Claypool and I don't you know I didn't rank him in this range you know he's more of a third round player um I think in, in in my personal rankings, um, he's twenty fifth in the Dynasty Command Center uh, average ranking. So he goes you know right on schedule there. Uh, in my own rankings, uh, I'm trying to pull him up quickly here. I've got him, you know, I've got him more in the third round, yeah. and so uh, at thirty, so mid third round. But I don't fault anybody for for just chasing the draft capital here at two twelve
1: yeah no I, I think that that winds up perfectly and if and really at the Steelers have just been phenomenal at drafting wide receivers and and regardless of what happens exactly with him, i think he holds some just speculative value for a while people will value him as like a late rounds you know second round player if he does virtually anything on the Steelers this year just because you know he could be that player and there's already been talk of juju not not even being on the roster uh in in a couple of years uh just i there's buzz from team beat writers and a whole bunch of podcasters that cover the team closer than I do. And there, I don't know why they would do that, but there's some really negative uh, juju talk going on. So yeah, Chase Claypool as a wide receiver, or, I mean, let's just say it doesn't work out long term with Vance McDonald, because he's still catching, you know, and taking balls seven yards per catch. And Eric Ebron doesn't pan out because he's freaking Eric, Eric Ebron, Chase, Chase Claypool would be an, <laughs> an an incredible, a uh, tight end for them to play is more of in a, in a big slot role if they spread it out wide or, and really he's actually a decent run blocker also. So kind of a, a Darren Waller esque uh, ascension is now the question. Uh, I did take Antonio Gibson. I talked about him on the last show, but man, in the late second, this is exactly where I'm pulling the trigger. On Antonio Gibson because I think he can be a feature back that can be an efficient pass catcher, but also a, a fast feature, a big enough, you know, six foot, two hundred and thirty pound kind of monster that if, if he is given the opportunity uh, for the Redskins. But really enjoyed this draft. I thought the first two rounds there were there were a bunch of interesting value picks for sure.
0: All right, Travis. Um, before we get into round three, round four, um, want to share a note from. From Blue Chew. So, guys, if you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis. You know they're going to work. Since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. So, you don't got to you know, change your schedule around. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Everyone's staring, wondering what you know prescription you're filling today. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost. And once it's approved, your order is going to ship straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for all you guys out there. Visit bluechew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Okay, Travis, um, actually, before we hit round three, let's just kind of blend tight end premium in here. You know, we saw one yeah, tight good. end go in round two um, in in the 1QB format, um, non-tight end premium format. Adam Troutman went to TJ Calkins at 207. In the tight end premium mock draft, we actually saw a second tight end go there. So we saw Cole Komet go to Sean Siegel in uh, the early to mid-second, and TJ again took Adam Troutman just a couple picks sooner this time. And so you know, really the takeaway here is that, you know, our team at Rotoviz we're not seeing, you know, this isn't a year to to spend the first round pick on tight end. No. Um, and it's really <laughs> for two reasons. You know, one, there's not an elite tight end uh, prospect that no one went in the first round. All these profiles have some holes in them. And then two, the quality of players available at running back and wide receiver are just such this year that even if there was a strong tight end uh, prospect a, a round one draft pick I just don't think they'd be able to crack the first round this year it's just the quality of the other position players so keep that in mind you know if, if you are in a tight end premium league don't overspend in round one you're going to be able to get either Komet or Troutman in round two and yeah. in our exercise we had a couple guys go in rounds three and four that have some appeal we'll hit that Uh, when we get there.
1: Yeah. And really, I mean, the tight end position in rookie drafts in tight end premium, especially a lot of people just go and target those players early anyway. And there are going to be players in your leagues that reach for the tight ends and keep reaching for the tight ends. Maybe half your league just does that regardless because they just feel like tight ends need to go in these slots in any given year. But really the tight end position Changes in terms of value and where players should be selected more so than any other position in fantasy football. I mean, the quarterbacks and one QB can typically slot in the, in the same spots most years. The top, you know, first names off the board, the real NFL draft board, in in, in superflex and one QB, they're going the same spots. But tight end premium, it's still all over the board. Like. I remember the OJ Howard year. I mean, a tight end premium, he was like a 1.05, you know, 1.06 in some some of my leagues. And that's just never going to be the case. There should never be a first-round tight end this year. Don't reach. If you leave your tight end premium draft without a tight end this year, feel completely good about it. Because next year is going to be different. There are going to be three tight ends in tight end premium most likely, that are going to be in the first-round discussion. I mean, you got Kyle Pitts from Florida, Brevin Jordan from Miami, Pat Frymuth from Penn State. There's a couple other players that might work their way in into the conversation, like Charlie, Cole, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Next year is a much better tight end class, so if you don't have a tight end right now, trade into that, but don't feel like you have to reach just because of the format. But there are at least some other interesting names that we'll definitely get to here shortly. But I actually kicked – off the uh, uh the round three of our uh super not super flex uh, tight end premium of uh, taking antonio gibson i just uh, had him like all over the place but uh, he was an early third in tight end premium he might fall there again but uh really in tight end premium that's pushing down a couple other names and a few other spots like uh, brian edwards i think went uh early round three whereas he's been more of a, a late round two even in Superflex and even in, in one quarterback mocks, I believe he was a, a late round two guy, but br- names like Brian Edwards might fall into round three. He did fall to the uh, 3.03 to TJ there. Uh, Joshua Kelly. I mean, you mentioned uh, liking him and on the last pod as a, as kind of a late two, he he falls into round three just about every time, especially in tight and premium. If people are reaching for the cold commits, the Adam, Adam Troutman's and, you may even see a couple other people reaching for uh, Devin Asiasi just because he went to the New England Patriots. He actually fell to the, the the eighth pick in this this mock. What are your thoughts on on Devin Asiasi now that he is uh, with the New England Patriots, Curtis?
0: I mean, I, it's not somebody I was super high on. I mean, really wasn't even on my radar hardly at all. I didn't, definitely did not expect day two draft capital for him. So I've had to adjust post draft, and I think you know that he gets. You know, he gets a little bit of a bump because, you know, of the perceived opportunity in new England, um, you know, but we're undergoing a quarterback change. We really haven't seen anybody other than Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, um, smash in the tight end role in the Belichick era, you know, save maybe some, uh, you know, sporadic, uh, production from Ben Watson at times, if you go way, way back. Um, so, you know, I, I think just assuming that these tight ends, because they drafted a pair of them, that they're going to be the next Gronk-Hernandez combo. I mean, and and then the Patriots are going back to 12 personnel. I think it's misguided. You know, I think you can talk about, you know, the other guy potentially not even really playing a true tight end role if you want. Sure. Um, what was it, Dalton Keene?
1: Yeah, Dalton Keene from Virginia Tech. Uh, he was a really kind of a—he was a fun— if you like watching college football, he's a fun player because uh, he he plays more of like a, a fullback, H-back, tight end, almost, you know, big slot wide receiver at times that would kind of motion in and kind of try to dress things up in disguise when they were in a run play or make it look like they were in a pass play. And uh, that's really what he's going to be. He's going to be a chess piece, but not a contributor to your fantasy football team for the most part. And Devin Asiasi, he actually... And I've been digging into transfers a lot more uh, recently in the success of transfers in the NFL, have a couple of pieces on Rotovis on that. But Devin Asiasi had kind of a weird trek uh, to production just because he was originally with Michigan. I believe it was way back in 2016, uh, didn't do anything ended up transferring to UCLA and even then kind of had a dud year. But every, every year thereafter, I believe he had at least a 20% dominator from the tight end position. So that's interesting. Uh, and he has adequate athleticism. I think he had like a 4'7"3 in the 40 or something in that range. So he's, he's interesting, but I'm not reaching for him, even in tight end premiums. Again, I'm not reaching for that position in this format uh Albert o- 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 Bunham, we talked about him a little bit on the Superflex podcast but man he he's just a, t- a touchdown scoring machine even in his quote unquote bad season he still caught six touchdowns with a completely inadequate quarterback tossing the, in the ball on an offense that just couldn't even move the can he move the ball against Vanderbilt one of the worst programs in all of college football so i am interested in Albert O being a value just because he made it to day 3 because like names like Josiah DeGuara, who I do like, also I'm going to the Packers, uh, Devin Asiasi, and both of those guys went ahead of Alberto in real draft capital. So I think a lot of people are just like throwing darts at these tight ends based on their draft capital rather than the player and the athlete and and just the monster that they can be. Uh, so I think uh, that's a name I'm watching. But near the end of round three, I also I actually grabbed Bryson Hopkins. Uh, tight end out of Purdue, which is my alma mater. Um, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. But uh, he's a player that I think a lot of people thought of early on in the process, especially when you, if you looked at some mock drafts and some uh, some draft websites early on in, in this process, thought he could be the tight end one in this class, albeit a, a weaker class. And he went in the later rounds, obviously goes to uh, the Rams, and he's going to have to go uh, face off with Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett, uh, and that on paper doesn't sound great, but Everett actually uh, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after the twenty twenty season. And Tyler Higby, I mean he's he did great, I guess down the stretch. He he has kind of a, uh, I guess a mid tier tight end two ish contract to his name, but he he's not really. It's not like they have the the entire future invested in, in Tyler Higby. Uh, so in that offense, a guy with Bryson Hopkins' skill set strength. I mean, he had, I think he was, he had like 23 reps on the bench. He he can, he can block, he can run any route you want him to. And he runs a four, six, six. He's got legit speed. Uh, He's an intriguing player that I'm targeting at the end of round three uh, and tight end premium all day.
0: Yeah, man. Great overview and tight end premium. Really round three is where we start throwing those darts. Yeah. Um, And so you gave us a ton of names to think about. There's some that you didn't even mention Um, and, and the listeners, you know, if you want to see who those names are, you know, I'm going to plug the rookie guide again. You got to go to rotaviz.com and check out the dynasty command center rookie guide. You know, we've got 60 players and nine tiers, um, for both the one QB and tight and premium formats. I mean, it's the simplicity. I mean, we worked really hard to make sure that we were very specific, um, not only to be very consistent from format to format with how. Um, the players that weren't premium moved around so for example you know if you were to take our one qb rankings you know the the players who aren't tight ends or or quarterbacks are going to appear in the same order and as you go across the different formats the people who are moving are the quarterbacks or the tight ends depending on if we're talking about a a super flex or tight end premium league so in other words you know we made sure you know that the averages and the ordering um, was very precise in that top 60 and and the tiers are going to be so key as you try to, you know, rather than freaking out and, and asking people, you know, in the moment for trade advice on Twitter, or even if you're a Slack member in the DCC, um, it's okay, you know, use tiers as a general guide for trades. I mean, should I trade up here? Well, I don't know. Is there only one or two guys left in the tier above? If so, that's probably your trade up spot. You know, should I trade back? All right, well, we're in tier seven, And, you know, I'm rebuilding this team. We're in the third round and this tier is 10 guys deep. Yeah, I can probably try to trade back half a round and see if I can grab two thirds. Um, And so, you know, those are the types of things that just from looking at a visual, it gives you so many different ideas and all that's right there in the guide. You know, we, we try to keep volume three very streamlined because we know so many rookie drafts are coming out quickly. So there's no new articles. You've got three ranking sets. You've got three mock drafts and you've got the rankings and the tiers. And so, um, you know, that's everything that you need to go ahead and execute. We've taught you everything about the profiles of these players um, and their college production um, in in volumes one and two. And now it's just time. It's time to cash in. We've done the adjustment for draft capital and landing spot. Now it's time to go use those picks that you've accumulated. So check that out on the website. We're going to bring this home. Um, with some favorite dart throws from round three and four, both for, uh, you know, one QB and tight end premium formats. And if you want to hear the rest of the names that, you know, appeared um, in those mock drafts, again, you can check that out in the guide. So I'm going to go first and I'll take it over to Travis. So in round three um, of a single QB format, um, you know, we're we're talking about really it's tier six and tier seven. And so... Um, the player that I like the most is is still, pro- is still probably Jalen Hurts in terms of uh, making a difference on on a roster. We're not even in super flex, and I still just think that when he gets his chance, he's going to have that Konami code. If you want a different player, uh, but at the same position, man, in in single QB, I think Justin Herbert's going to be sitting there in round three, and I mean he's going to be a multiple year starter. He's got a great supporting cast. Um, out in L.A. with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. I mean, that's a pretty good situation. Phillip Rivers was a pretty reliable quarterback too there. And then, um, you know, certainly I think Justin Herbert could be streamable as early as, as year one. So don't forget about the quarterbacks being a value, even a single QB. If you're looking for upside at, at a position in round three, um, you know, I kind of like, this is a little gross because of draft capital, Travis, but I kind of like, Eno you know, Benjamin um, in the seventh round to Arizona, yeah. you know Kenyon Drake is going to get a chance there, but we haven't seen a 16-game season where he put it all together on heavy volume. Um, Chase Edmonds looked okay, um, but hasn't always been available. You know, I just think with his receiving ability, if he gets his chance, he might be able to pop. Let's kick it over to round four and some targets there. Um, I've got I've got a couple here. Anthony McFarland landing with Pittsburgh. I think there's a chance to overtake James Conner if an injury occurs. And certainly in year two, he could start uh, with Conner being in a walk here. Um, and then if you want to go with the wide receiver position, there's a couple. I think the guy that's really grown on me after the landing spot is Quintez Cephas. Um, he went a little earlier than I thought he would, given his poor athletic measurables. Um,
1: yeah, Let's talk about him for a second. I, w- I-, I want to hear your take, but I've got some on, on him as well.
0: Well, yeah, we might end up with the same round four dart here, um, but Quintez Cephas lands with the Detroit Lions, and in year two, there's going to be really be an opportunity. Marvin Jones probably going to be gone in 2021. Um, Matthew Stafford has, you know, consistently been been able to support multiple pass catchers throughout his career, um, even across multiple offensive system designs. And Quintez Cephas did get high praise from um, the best cornerback in the draft this year out of Ohio State, you know, said that Quintus Cephas was the toughest assignment he had in his college career. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but he could have said anybody. And he said Quintus Cephas. I think Travis went into this in a previous pod, but I just want to point you back to that now that he's been in, you know, landing in a a nice spot there. You know, I don't think that we want to ignore that. Um, And so he would probably be late in drafts. He's probably my favorite wide receiver target. You get toward the very end of the fourth round.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll bounce back to my third third round kind of dark throws. But he's interesting just because, I mean, yeah, he, he had a really slow 40. Don't look at his athletic measurables. He had a really slow 40 at the combine, but he kind of cleaned it up at his pro day some. I think he plays a little bit faster than that. Uh, he's decent at stacking and playing physically uh, against cornerbacks and getting over the top of them despite his uh, maybe imperfect long speed. But really, I mean, he just had a really strange career. I mean, he didn't do much his first season. He was, he was supposed to break out in a big way. Uh, I actually just talked about this in the uh players in one of my top 100 series uh pieces that just dropped today on Rotoviz. but uh, his second his second season his, his father passed away and he actually dedicated his sophomore season to his his dad and he actually dominated down the stretch. He had almost a, a 40% dominator at the time after 9 games uh and then got hurt in his 10th game, broke his leg actually. Uh and then of course uh before he was uh, supposed to come back and uh, have a monster 2018 season. He actually uh, was accused of, uh, there were some sexual assault allegations and there was a long, long legal process, legal battle. And eventually, right before the 2019 season, he was acquitted of those charges. And it was like the middle of August and he hadn't been practicing at all, but he he showed up and hit the ground running and posted a 35% dominator in his final season. Uh, so he he struggled to stay healthy at times. Had some crazy stories and stuff g- happen to him, but uh, definitely imperfect pros- prospect. But even this year, he's got Kennedy Galladay, uh, an older Marvin Jones, like a 34 year old Dan- Danny Amendola, and uh, Geronimo uh, Geronimo Allison that he's he's uh, competing against. So there's there's a way, there's a path for him to find relevance even in year one. So he's an interesting end of round four. Uh, kind of dart throw that I don't think is going to be going very highly in most drafts this year but I I mentioned it on the last pod I really like Antonio Gandy-Golden in in round three Um, you know even at the very end uh, trying to target Adam Troutman just because everyone's kind of fading this tight end class Uh, Adam Troutman out of Dayton now with the New Orleans Saints they did trade their entire day three of picks to try to get Troutman And he had a 38% dominator as a freaking tight end, which is just crazy, crazy production. I don't care uh, about what level you're playing against. He just absolutely took over that offense and they just couldn't stop him. Uh, And then just a speculative ad uh, at the very end of round three, I think is where I have him ranked. Van Jefferson is a transfer. He doesn't have a perfect production profile, but real NFL people tend to like him a, a ton. Uh, so at some point, you're going to want to take a player that was picked 57th overall in the NFL draft, uh, knowing that there's, there's potential value for him taking that wide receiver three role over in LA. Uh, but, uh, really round four, I do like targeting also, uh, we mentioned Michael P. Ryan, uh, on, on the other podcast, but he had 40 catches last year, uh, for Florida. DJ Dallas with the Seahawks, uh, in, in a weird position right now, but it could be that he, competes for that backup role with Rashad Penny and that would have sounded insane uh, even a year ago that he would be in that conversation to be in, in the backup role for Seattle but in the fourth round you could do a whole lot worse than DJ Dallas a former wildcat quarterback slash defensive back in high school converted to wide receiver in the, in the start of his Miami career and then converted to running back just because he is an all-around just playmaker uh, because Miami needed him to and it turns out he's actually good at running back too. So DJ Dallas is inter- uh, interesting as well. Uh, but one more, James Prochet broke a bunch of re- records at SMU, found a way to, to be productive. Uh, even when playing with Cortland Sutton and Trey Quinn, who went on to the NFL, he still posted a 15%, 16% uh, dominator when he was like a true freshman, I believe, but ended up smashing with like a 39% th- and a 36% d- dominator down the stretch and posting decent yards per team pass attempt numbers as well. But uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, but that's probably all the time we have on this on this show. But uh, I hope uh, you guys enjoyed this one and the Superflex special that we uh, just came out with. And we're going to be getting into more of a position-by-position position breakdown, talking about some running backs, wide receivers, and where these stat- players stack up in this rookie class uh, all the more as we continue this rookie draft season but uh, thanks again for joining us on another dynasty command center podcast but until next time keep living that dynasty life